All right. Well, good evening. Good to see you guys tonight. Uh, tonight we're in the book of First Peter. Uh, we're continuing our series entitled Exiles. Uh, so First Peter chapter 1, we're looking at verses 22 all the way to chapter 2, verse 3. So let me go ahead and read that and then we'll pray and we'll dive into the message for this evening. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. God, we thank you for this evening and opportunity to gather once again. Open your word to hear from it, Lord, to hear from you. Help us as we look at this text tonight to learn from it. And to apply it to our lives, Lord, so that we might live holy, set-apart lives, so that we might be a community that is set apart, as we love one another. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I lived in Dallas, uh, before seminary, before I was married, before uh, Jen and I had kids, I didn't even know Jen at this point, uh, I was in a single Sunday school class, hence the fact that I wasn't married, right? Uh, and, and this single Sunday school class was at First Baptist Dallas, and as you could imagine, this class was quite large. There was like 150 singles in this class, and, and I had a number of different friends in this class, and there are a number of different groups that, that I interacted with, but, but there was one group of guys in particular that, that, that I'll never forget. Um, one of their friends had just lost his wife. Uh, she was giving birth to their second child. There was complications that, that happened during the delivery, and, and she ended up passing away. And these guys, a group of guys, young singles, uh, moved in with their friend to help minister to him and to really help him take care of, of his children. And I think that's, that's pretty unique, right? I mean, when you are a young single living in a big city, Dallas, Texas, uh, you, you typically don't do things like that. You have your own pursuits, you have your career, you have your hobbies, you're, you're trying to find a wife yourself. But these guys pulled back from that for a season, for a time, so that they might move in and minister to their friend. And, and that, what they have done has always stuck with me, even though it's been like 12, 15 years ago. That's right when I first moved to Dallas. And these guys did something different and when they did that, they were exercising true Christian community, community that we must exercise as well. You see, as Christians, we must live set-apart lives. We must live in a community that is set-apart. And what is it that allows us to live in a community that is set apart? How, how can we do that? How can we live in a community that is set apart in its love for one another? Well, in order to live in a set-apart community, a community that, that loves, that genuinely loves one another, the first thing that must be true of us is that we must be believers. In First Peter here, verse 
22 of chapter 1, he says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And when he talks about us purifying our souls by your obedience to the truth, he is, he is referring to our salvation. That's what he's referring to at the outset of this verse. And we know that because he, he, re, he uses this word obedience to the truth. And he tells us that, that we have purified our souls by being obedient to the truth that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. By, by believing that truth, we are being obedient. We are purifying our souls. By way of, of drawing immediate application, then what we have to say is that, that those who are believers have to actually believe that. We have to actually believe the gospel. We can't just be believers by proxy. We can't just be believers because our husband and, or our wife is, is a believer or, or our, our parents were believers or we were born into a Christian family or we live in a community that, that might claim to be Christian or a part of a church, right? We have to actually believe in Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior if we are going to call ourselves believers. That's what it means to believe. Right? That's, that's what we're doing. We're setting ourselves apart as those who think that it is Jesus who has died for us, who has given himself for us so that we might be able to experience salvation. And those who, who do believe, they are born into a new family. They have brothers and sisters outside of their immediate blood family, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we are to exercise Love for those who are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And even love for those outside of the family of God. We are to exercise love for, for all peoples. And as we do that, or we can do that because we are believers. And for us who are believers, love then is, is really not an option, right? We, if we are going to call ourselves believers, then we must love one another. He, he gives us this command here, love one another earnestly from a pure heart because we have been saved, because our hearts have been changed, because our souls have been purified. And remember, we talked about this this morning. We talked about what the idea of heart means. It means that our desires, our will has changed to match God's desire, God's will. And because of that, we then must love others because God is a God of love. God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And, the, and, and God the son came to die for us because he loves us. And so that love that we experience through the gospel should channel out of us to others. And that love must be sincere. And I think that what, what Peter is really getting at here with this idea that this is a sincere brotherly love is he is calling into question sometimes our motives. Sometimes we will say, well, we, we love this person over here, but we love them because of what they can do for us. We don't truly love them with the self-sacrificial love. But what we must do as believers is, is we must love others in such a way that, that we don't expect anything in return for them, from them. We are giving ourselves completely and wholly to them. We are giving of our time and our resources and our energy for them and to them. And certainly we do that to those who are of the household of God. 
but we do that to those outside of our community as well. And so we see here that that if we are going to be a set-apart community, a community of believers who are set apart in the way that we love one another, then we, we have to first be believers. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't happen if we're not. Because those who are not believers all have selfish motives. They have this sinful desire and this sin nature that gets in the way. But when our heart has been changed, then we can love one another in this way. We can give of ourselves self-sacrificially to one another. But here's the thing, having the ability to love one another and actually loving one another are two different things. As believers, we have that ability because our heart has been changed. But actually loving one another and actually exercising that is another thing. And so if we're going to live in set-apart community, a community of love, then we must exercise love for one another. And so pick back up in verse 22 right there in the second half. He says, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. We see here that that love is work. Love is not something that just happens. You know, it's not not a feeling, but love is an action. And, And it takes work for us to love one another. It takes work for us to act in that way. And it can be difficult for us to do that because we are naturally consumers. We want other people to love us. We want to get all the love that we can from other people. We want people to to serve us and do things for us. But, But then when it comes to us actually putting into practice the love that we have experienced from the Father to other people, it can be very difficult for us to do that because we are consumers. And that goes at every area of our life, right? I mean, just think about television. I mean, we love at times to sit and to watch TV. And I know there are times when I may, when I may find a show that I really like, you know, I'll get on Netflix or something like that, and I'll find a show, and I'll watch the show in like two to three weeks, and I just, I can't, I can't quit watching it. And by the end, what do I say? I say, man, I, I wish there was another season for me to watch. And, and when I say that, I'm not, I'm not saying that because, you know, well, this was just an amazing deal, but, but, but I'm saying that because I'm selfish, because I want to continue to consume. I'm not thinking about all of the work that goes into producing another season of a show and all of the money that goes into that. I'm just thinking about, man, I really like this show. I I liked watching it. I like spending time doing that. It was relaxing for me, and I want to continue to do that. We're naturally consumers, and I'm sure that there are things that you consume as well in that way. It's easy for us to take, but it's hard for us to give. And that's not only true when it comes to us watching a show versus, you know, making a show. It's also true when it comes to us giving self-sacrificially to other people, especially if, if we are, you know, the person who's giving and we're not receiving anything from them. It can be difficult for us to do that. It's easy for us to take, but it's hard for us to give. But if we're truly going to be a set-apart community, then we need to give without expecting anything in return from others. And my friends that, that I opened with you know, is, a, is a prime example of that. I mean, that guy could not do anything for them. That guy was struggling. That guy needed someone to come in and minister to them. He needed somebody to come in and help him care for his, his kids. 
He wasn't in a position to do anything in return for them. And they spent their time and they spent their energy and they spent their effort. I'm sure they spent many sleepless nights sitting up and talking to this guy and helping him with his newborn. But we can do that. And we should do that because we have experienced the Father's love. Look at, look at what he ties this to at the beginning of verse 23. He says, since you have been born again. Since you have been born again. And he is, he's tying our love for others to the love of the Father. And he's saying not only can you do it, but when you're having trouble doing it, think about the love that the Father has exercised for you. Think about Jesus giving his life for you. Think about the, the, the hope that you experience and the joy that you experience and the, and the peace that you experience because you have now been saved. Because the Father's wrath, you don't have to worry about facing that in the future. Because you have been freed from the grip of sin on your life and the chains of that have been broken. And now for the first time in your life, you don't have to be directed and guided by your sinful nature. You can actually follow God. Think about the gospel if you are having trouble serving other people. Think about what you have experienced there and what is true in your life and allow that to be motivation for you to serve others. Not only is it possible, but the gospel is what motivates us. And we need that motivation. The, the churches to whom Peter was writing needing that motivation as well because you know, they are living in a time of persecution. This church is facing difficulty. This church is, is facing persecution. And, and just by connecting themselves to other believers, by serving other believers, they could be bringing persecution on themselves. And I know that's not been as common here in the United States in the past, but that is getting more and more common, right? As we, as we love others, as we connect ourselves to other people, persecution could come to us as well. But we need to be willing to experience that because God loves us and God has made it possible for us to love others. We have been born again. One person who in history did not play it safe but loved despite the fact that, that they could have been killed was Corey Ten Boom. I came across an article uh, about a book that she wrote, The Hiding Place. And, and here is, you know, what they say. In the book, she tells of the journey her Christian family took through the horror of World War II. During the German occupation of Holland, Corey's family was faced with the daily choice of playing it safe or showing the love of Christ. They could hunker down, keep their heads low, and wait it all out, or they could love the needy people in danger all around them. And as you could imagine, her, her family didn't play it safe. Right? I mean, they, they, they hid Jews from the Nazis. They provided counterfeit documents to them so that they might be able to escape persecution and, and death. And they did that at the threat of their own safety for a people that they didn't even know, for a people that they probably would never, ever see again in their lives. But they did it because they had experienced the love of Christ. Their, their lives had been changed. And so we must do the same. We must love despite the backlash that we might experience, the persecution that we might face. And we can continue to do that. We can continue to love people despite all of those things 
Because God's love for us is not going away. God's promise to us is not going away. Look at verse 24. He says, All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. You see, this is a quote taken from the book of Isaiah. He's writing to the exiles, and he's, and he's giving them hope, and he's saying, God is going to, to be there for you. God is, is going to continue to be your God. He is a promise-keeping God. While the glory of the flower and, and the grass, while those things fade away, while the, while the grass withers, that the word of the Lord remains forever. God's promise to you remains forever. And, and that is a truth for us as well. God's promise to us remains forever. God's promise to be our God, God's promise to bring about a world of, of hope, God's promise to return, and God's promise to set everything right, God's promise in the gospel to save us is always there, and it will always remain. You can trust God's word. Our God is a promise-keeping God. And so knowing that, knowing that there's this future inheritance that is waiting for us, that the truth of the gospel will always remain, that Jesus will return, we can plunge headlong into relationships with other people. We can love other people in a way that that is unnatural to this world. We can love other people in in a set-apart way. And we can be a community that is set apart because of God's love for us and because of God's promise to us. But having the ability to love and the motivation to love is not all that is necessary for us to live in a set-apart community. We we learn next that that we must put those things away which kill community. In verse 1 of of chapter 2, he says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. And the word picture that that Peter paints for us here is is one that that should be familiar to all of us. Um, You know, we have two little boys, uh, and so there's always clothes to be washed. There's always dishes to be, you know, washed and and put away. And it seems like every single day that washing machine is running, you know. The dishwasher is is running, and and, and it's always, always, we've got to put away the dishes. And I hate putting away the dishes. But it's, they're always there. And so we must, we must put those away or the, or the other dishes are just going to pile up in our sink and we won't be able to wash the ones that we dirtied that day. And the same with the clothes. If we don't put those away, then we're not going to have any more laundry baskets to, to put the folded clothes in. Peter says here, you must put away these sins like you might put away these things in your house so that it doesn't continue to kill community. And so what are these things that destroy community? Well, Peter provides a list for us here. Now, let me just say at the outset of this list, I mean, this is not the end-all, be-all, right? I mean, there are other things that, that kill community, that destroy community, that, than the things that we're going to look at here in a moment. I think this is a good start. And Peter begins with the word malice. And, and malice is, is defined as a, a feeling of hostility or, or a strong dislike for someone, as well as it really has the possible implications of desiring to do someone harm. He says, put that away. 
Get rid of that. Get that out of your life. Next, he tells us that we must put away deceit. And deceit carries the idea of trying to trick somebody or trying to lead someone astray. And he follows that up with the idea of of hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is us being two-faced. It's us acting one way to one group and and another way to another group or or saying one thing and really meaning another. He says, put put hypocrisy away. He follows that up with envy. He says, you should not be envious of another person just because they have been successful. Don't be envious of them. Don't, 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 don't have any feelings of ill will towards them or, or, or you know, wanting what they have. Put that away. Put away any envy that you have of another person. And lastly, he says slander. And slander is us. Slander occurs when we speak abusive or or false speech against someone else in order to damage their reputation he says don't don't slander one another now now as we go through this list i mean you could see that these things can certainly kill community Uh, if you are you know somebody who's a hypocrite or you're always deceitful or you're slandering somebody or you just have some ill will towards another person or you're envious i mean that doesn't that doesn't make for a good christian community for a community that is set apart that doesn't make here or is it the characteristics of somebody who loves another person and so he says put put these things put these things away work these things out of your life But that's not always easy, right? I mean, it it can be difficult to do that. And so how? You know, how can we put these things away? Well, I believe we put these things away by longing for God's word. And and that's where Peter moves here in in verse 2. He says, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So just as infants long for their mother's milk, we must long for God's word. And I know that that many of you have have had children in here. And you know that that, that when your infant is hungry, they are crying and they are fussing and they're going to do whatever they can to get that milk, to get their next meal. And that's what we need to look at God's word and we must say, this is that which feeds us. This is that which we long for. We need to long for that like an infant longs for newborn milk or its mother's milk, excuse me. We must long for the word in that way. The word is what is going to cause us to grow. Reading God's word, having our our hearts, our our souls changed and and purified through the reading of the word so that our will becomes God's will. Or God's will becomes our will, excuse me. Our God's desires becomes our desires. As we read through God's word, that, that takes place. And now we have an opportunity to do that as a church. We, we talked about this a couple of weeks back. I sent out an email, posted a number of things about this. There's, there's even some, some print copies of, of the Read Through the Scripture deal outside there uh, by, the, by the newsstand. As we read through God's Word together this year as a church, we are, we are drinking of this milk. And it should be growing us and it should be changing us. And we should, we should grow into a church that is set apart. 
We should, we should grow in our love for one another as our hearts are changed. And the world should look in and they should say, wow, what is, what is different about those folks over there? What's different about that community? There's no infighting like there is in my group. There are people who are genuinely loving and serving one another in a way that I never would. What is it that has changed them? What is it that I need? As we do that, as we read God's word together, as we drink of the milk of God's word, we will grow. Our hearts will be changed. And we will end up being a community that is set apart. And so let me encourage you to do that. Encourage you to read of God's word so that you might do what Peter is commanding here, to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. If you have been born again, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, if you've experienced salvation, continue to pour into God's word. Allow it to change you and to shape you so that we might be a community that is set apart, a community of love.